If you like tacos and shopping at HEB for your food, then you have no doubt seen Diablo Verde Salsa in the condiments aisle. The stuff is amazing. I'm convinced it would taste great on a tire, but I digress. I'm going to flash back to early 2022 for this one and a conversation I have with Tracy Bork Johansson. CEO of Three Sons Foods, who makes Diablo Verde Salsa. During this episode, you're going to get the origin story on this family-run business she started in her own kitchen with her three sons, hence Three Sons Foods. You're also going to get the skinny on this one-of-a-kind salsa that donates a portion of their sales to animal conservation. Learn more at threesonsfoods.com. That's the number three, sonsfoods.com. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Flo Rida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Let's let you go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HTX. First, Tracy, I'd love to get your, your origin story if you could reflect on Back in your day when you were a kid and all the things that maybe led you to this path of, of being the CEO of a family-run business? Um, well, I, God, when I was a kid, I loved food and I was a chubby kid. <laughs> so that, um, that, you know, that evolved into, you know, discovering food and, um, and you know, really as I grew up, I, you know, I just was drawn more and more towards healthy eating. And so as an adult, I just, you know, I loved watching cooking shows and I just absolutely loved food. And at the same time, I gave birth to these three wonderful, you know, human beings and the middle son, um, I mean, my middle son, Luke just loved animal conservation and uh, in particular rhino conservation. So um, yeah, that kind of takes you to where we ended up starting a business as a fundraiser. <laughs> yeah. Well, and at what moment did you realize, because you were doing this and I know Tracy's story because we've, you know, we've spoken before, but uh, at what moment did you realize that you had something special that you could take this to the next level beyond making salsa for families trying to raise money for school and whatnot? Yeah. So I, um, we eat a lot of fish tacos in our house. So I would make this creamy cilantro sauce, um, you know, because when you go to the restaurants, you get this great, you know, verde sauce. And I couldn't ever find anything at the grocery store that was like it, that had that fresh taste that the restaurants had. Um, so I started making it myself. Um, and then, you know, I started giving it away to teachers and neighbors at Christmas time as, as Christmas gifts. Um, and at the same time, Luke, my middle son would have these birthday parties and in lieu of gifts, he would ask for donations to the International Rhino Foundation to uh, stop the illegal poaching of rhinos. So five years into his fundraising efforts, I turned to him and I said, hey, let's start selling mom sauce to raise even more money. So it was first just Luke and I and we started selling it. Um, and you know, we would give a dollar for each jar that we sold to rhino conservation and then Luke would make 50 cents. And so we brought his brothers on board as like sales, you know, our sales team. And so all three boys were, you know, we would make it at night, we'd get orders, we'd put flyers around the neighborhood and they would, uh, throw it in their backpacks and deliver it during the day, you know, either to the teachers or the neighbors, um, you know, on their bikes. So, about six weeks into that, I thought, wow, we could 
we could make a business out of this. And um, so I said, Luke, let's make a business. He's like, okay. You know, <laughs> I'm like, and why don't we ask your brothers to, you know, to come in on the business. And once we have Diablo Verde launched, then we will launch more uh, sauce sauces or more food items and help other animal uh, causes. So that kind of brings us to um, Diablo Vegan. Yeah, well, and I love the fact that the boys just kept going because as a dad who with two daughters and there was a, there was a, a phase, the Girl Scout phase where we would sell cookies um, and getting shut down as a kid is not something you want to, <laughs> it's no is not a very fun word to hear from, from people. So um, I imagine there may have been a few no's that could have been discouraging. So how, how did you convince Luke and, or your other two sons to, to keep the momentum going? Like, Hey, it's not the end of the world. It's only no. You know, there has been a lot of notes. We have, um, you know, we started out at farmer's markets. People will come up, they'll taste it. Um, you know, George was eight, nine years old when we started this. Um, and George is the youngest one. You know, we call him the mouth <laughs> because he's so, he's really great at selling. And I think that from the beginning, um, they just saw me, you know, that's fine. You know, you don't want it. That's fine. You know, whatever. And keep on trucking because the majority of the people that actually taste our sauce will come back and buy it, which is great. We've been very blessed. Like um, we've, we've been blessed with a great product. You know what I mean? Uh, we, we developed a, a really great product. So that's been wonderful. Um, but, you know, I think just, we just keep going, you know, it, it doesn't matter how many no's we get, there's going to be a yes, you know, and, and if you're not, um, you know, as far as like pitching to big stores and things like that, yes, we've done presentations to big stores, um, you know, and then they've said no and, and yeah, it's been disappointing, but that's okay. Cause there's, you know, there's another presentation coming up and let's get ready and just move forward. I imagine there are a lot of ups and, and downs just beyond, beyond the presentation where you get the no in the boardroom. Um, was there a moment in your company's history that may have seemed like, like the end? And if so, how did you and the, and the family dig yourselves out and say, nope, not today. I'm going to keep trucking. Um, really, you know, a lot of businesses fail, especially in the first two years. And I think, um, you know, there was a time when we we were scheduled to go to Katie Market Days, or it's a, it's a Christmas festival that Katie has here in our our. We live just outside of Houston, um, and I thought, oh, this is it. We're just you know, let's sell out our inventory, and we're just going to close up. And then you know, you get in front of the customers, and they love it, and they give you great feedback. And then you know, somebody that owns a little mom and pop shop goes, oh my gosh, I love your sauce. Can we have it in our store? And, um, you know, so I remember that in particular, like, I just thought this is not going to fly. We were looking for a co-packer. We couldn't find a good one. Uh, we were dealing with, uh, somebody on the Northeast side of town and she just could not get a recipe right. And I was like, how do we physically keep up with the demand? And, um, you know, that festival was really a great turning point because, 
it showed us how many fans we really did have and how much support the community gave us. Um, and then, you know, we just continued to make the sauce ourselves. You know, I just thought, well, we can, you know, just go into the commercial kitchen and make as much as we can. And physically, you know, God gives us what we can handle and we're not going to kill ourselves. But it, sometimes, you know, when you get home from the kitchen, it's really, it's a very physical job. Um, you know, being, being a cook or a chef is a very physical job, but, um, but we did it, you know, and then finally, um, after three different co-packers, we did find a co-packer and just to let your audience know what a co-packer is, it's somebody that will make your product for you. So different food companies will do it differently. Some make, you know, some will go the route of opening up their own kitchen. Um, I, knew from the beginning that I didn't want to run a kitchen. My expertise are really with designing products and, you know, getting out there in front of the customer. And so I wanted to concentrate on what we were good at. I love to build off of this part of the conversation because uh, the grocery business as a consumer, and I love going to the store, just walking around, seeing all the products and buying all kinds of new things. I see the success. I see a small label that's not, you know, uh, let me just throw a name out there, Pace. Um, I see I see Diablo Verde and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Or I see some other mom and pop shop craft kind of almond butter that's not Jif or whatever, right? right. And I'm like, wow, that is so neat. Oh, look, they're out of Austin. Um, I see the success. But there's all kinds of grind and non-food ingredients that go into the successful operation of a food business like yours. So um, how do you make the things work behind the scenes on top of having three sons, you know, two of which, as I understand, are still in school? Right. They're all three in school. One is in college in uh, Pennsylvania. Gotcha. Um, oh, oh, wow. See, even that's another hurdle. <laughs> so, you know, the grocery business, the food in particular has very low margins and you have so many different levels before it gets into the consumer's hand. One thing I didn't realize before we got into this business is that you have to, as a company, you'll have shelf activity fees. And what that means is that you're paying for your product to be on the shelf. And different stores ask for different things. We've been asked for $30,000 um, to be, you know, because it's $10,000 per SKU per product. Like, because we have mild, medium, and hot in Diablo Verde, mm -hmm. we've been asked for $30,000 just to be on the shelves from a company. And I'm like, no, like we're a small company. Uh, we're certified women owned and we don't have money for that. We're a great product and we'll, you know, we'll do demos and we'll support the sell, but we can't do that. And so, yeah, we've been turned down by, you know, one of the major grocery stores a couple of times because I'm like, I can't do that now. I will, you know, we will, be charged um, percentages off the invoices, things like that. So, um, so different stores, you know, charge differently, if that makes sense. Yeah, it um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, you know, one thing, uh, our local HEB has been so supportive of small businesses. And, um, you know, I can't 
you know, as we move forward in the industry and get into different um, retailers, like I've been really very impressed and seen the the reason why HEB is such a great grocery store. Um, and, you know, they gave us our start. So, um, yeah, it's been, you know, there are so many different factors. There's distributors, there's brokers, um, there's a different, there's a whole language that you have to learn. Um and it's it's been it's been challenging at times, you know. The um, I look back at our early days, and I'm like, wow, that was the easy part. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially now with um, the increase in freight, you know. And I know that uh, so many different industries are feeling this, you know. Um, different, you know, prices are going up on cilantro. Prices are going up on our jars, and especially freight. I got a freight quote in December. It tri- it tripled by January. No way to to send product to Lafayette. Yeah, I want to go back to uh, to H E B and how that was almost kind of sort of as my interpretation is that's like your big break because you scored a whole like a big award and it was twenty five grand and what you all did to with that money to expand your business. Cause I would have blown it all. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> if I was, if I was young and single and won that money, I would have been like, all right, safari. <laughs> uh, no, we didn't do that. We um, basically, so we, our customers requested, uh, it was actually HEB Pen Oak, which is out here in Katy. They called the manager or they requested from the manager that, um, that, you know, they put our product in on their shelves. So we, got into that HEB first and it was called DSD deliver direct. I forgot what DSD stands for, but basically we're direct delivering. So we would take my suburban to the back of the store and go inside and, you know, check in our product and it's called merchandising it. It's where you shelf it, um, you know, on the shelves. And that manager, his name was Randall, um, was so, so nice and gave us an end cap, which is huge. And we'd go in there and demo our product. And then we got it into the Grand Parkway HEB. And then that manager was awesome. And he was like, you have to demo two to three times a week. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know. Okay. So I just started, you know, we started demoing two to three times a week. And um, so basically during this time, that was, that started in October of 2018. Um, so we had applied for HEB Quest for Texas Best, which is a contest that HEB has. They didn't have it in 2020 because of COVID, but they had it this past year. Um, and so we were in 12 HEB grocery stores and we were selling 3000 jars per month because we were just demoing, demoing, demoing. Um, so by the time we entered the contest, we already had experience with HEB. It was great. So we entered the contest and uh, we worked every single day, you know, rehearsing and writing a script. And you have to go in front of the judges and the HEB um, executives and do a presentation and serve your food in three different ways. So we did enchiladas, um, our Mexican coleslaw uh, that we use Diablo Verde as the sauce. And, uh, and now we have our Diablo vegan. So now that recipe can be a vegan recipe. Um, and then just chip and vegetable dip. So, and then we did this really great, cute script. Um, George started it off. George ended it, you know, the mouth. <laughs> Aiden talked about the finances and things like that. And Luke and I are always like the funny ones. 
Um, well, George is, it's really funny. And Aiden's always a straight one, which you got to have, you know, you're going to be funny. <laughs> so the yin yang. So yeah, um. we did the, uh, the contest and one of the executives who was ap- actually, um, a judge, he donated $500 to international rhino foundation out of his own pocket. So we were so excited about that. Wow. And, um, so yeah, so we did it and then we, you know, we went back that afternoon and they had the, the, you know, the judging or whatever the, you know, award ceremony and we got grand champion and it was amazing. And, um, and then we got into, I think 245 stores right off the bat. That is huge. So you were moving out 3000 jars of salsa at the start, 12 stores, right? Yes. So you go to hundreds of stores and how quickly were you able to accommodate that, that demand? Because it, it, it seems to me, and I know nothing about the entrepreneurial world my mom has a business, but I know nothing about that. So I imagine this is where, when you talk about uh, most small businesses going down in less than two years, it's the scaling And so, yeah. And you know, that's why a lot of businesses fail because either finances, uh, they don't have the money to expand or, you know, just the, you know, as you get into different levels, you're not able to, you know, you're not able to kind of handle those, that big influx of the contracts and things like that. Yeah. So how did you make it happen? Well, the, they awarded us 25,000. Uh, of course we saved some for tax, the taxes and, uh, we basically invested, um, or not invested, but basically that gave us the amount of money that we needed to pay our co-packer for the first order, uh, that HEB put in, they pay vendors within 10 days. So that is huge. A lot of stores out there will pay 30, 60 days, which, you know, if you're not, if you're not watching the money, you, it can, it can, yeah. You know, I mean, cause you need, you know, one thing that we've always done is we wanted to make sure that, you know, if we take on a new contract that we have the finances to pay for the inventory. What's your advice for struggling entrepreneurs, whether they are struggling to, to make ends meet, um, they're struggling with time, their sanity, um, or maybe just taking it to the next level, uh, lack of motivation, um, all the things. What, what, what would you tell somebody who was like, Tracy, <sighs> help me. <laughs> so right now in the beginning, if you have lack of motivation, then this is not, that it may not be the right road for you. Um, you, you're gonna have to believe in yourself, even when people don't believe in you. Um, you know, that's not an easy road and it can be, you know, you work seven days a week, you know, you're always thinking about the business and it is another child for me. Um, so I would definitely, you know, do some soul searching and make sure that you really believe in yourself and believe in your product. You know, it's so easy to, to sell something that you believe in. I, I absolutely love what we do, like the reason why we do it and what we make. So for me, it's always not, I, I don't want to say it's been easy. I mean, I do um, suffer from anxiety, I always have, but you know, that anxiety comes from a place of fear. 
So if you can pinpoint what you're, what you're fearing, then that really will help you. And then you're like, what's the worst case scenario, you know? So, um, so yeah, I definitely encourage people to identify what they're fearing and really, once you can do that, once you can identify your fears, then you see that they're not as big, they're not as big of a monster as you think. So, um, and then definitely, you know, you have to believe in yourself because you're going to get door slammed in your face. I've been yelled at, you know, <laughs> I've been on the phone, like, you know, so it's not always pretty, but the really great parts are amazing. I mean, like when I look at, you know, I went into my closet just yesterday, I did a demo, um, and the Meyerland HEB. And I, you know, I grabbed my, my Diablo Verde shirt, my three cents food shirt. And I just thought, wow, like our company name is on a shirt. And then just like little things like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> it's just it, every once in a while, it humbles me just to be like, oh my gosh, like, wow. You know, it's, I mean, the fact that I'm on this video with you right now, it's just amazing, you know, um, five years ago, I would not have thought, you know, uh, but at the same time, I did, I had a vision, I had a vision of our sauce being on the shelf and I just kept on going. And what about on the flip side, people who may not, hmm, people who may not want to listen to, um, advice from those who know more, because, I don't think that anyone can be successful without growing and you talk about humbling yourself. Um, and I think that um, with growth, you kind of have to, you kind of have to defer to, and I hate the word defer to the experts, but this is the first kind of phrase that, that comes to mind. Um, what do you tell somebody who may be a little high on their own supply and they're about to go, they're about to go down, their business is about to tank and yet it's salvage, salvageable still. Like, what would you tell them? Oh, that is awesome. Um, definitely listen to people that are, have been in the industry because, you know, we resisted for a long time getting a broker. And once we, we got brokers, oh my gosh, they are amazing. And what does a and broker do? I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, a broker Tracy. What does a broker help do? you? They basically, you know, we have two different brokers, one for Walmart, um, and they help you maneuver Walmart, right? And because Walmart will, um, you know, they just have a different language. And then we have uh, another broker for Kahi, which is uh, the second largest distributor in the nation. And again, you know, they help you maneuver and spend your money wisely because, you know, once you get to this level, there's a lot of spend and marketing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, um, you know, that's one thing that I, we, I wish that we would have taken the, the dive sooner, but I was headstrong and like, oh, we're going to do it a different way. But I would definitely listen to people that are in the industry and have, you know, that have learned. Um, but I understand, you know, one thing, everybody's advice may not be the right advice for you, but I would definitely seek out advice and talk to as many people in the industry as you can, because, you know, their experience may not be your experience, but what they've learned from it could definitely help you. Absolutely. <clears throat> I want to dig into Three Sons Foods 
animal advocacy. Um, and full disclosure, y'all, I met Tracy and her sons on Zoom last year, so I know the story. But for you, I want Tracy to explain the story. And of course, this began with Luke loving rhinos. We now have wolves brought into the fray. So let's talk about all the things wolves and rhinos. Yes. So um, our first sauce, Diablo Verde, uh, our medium, we it comes in mild, medium, and hot. So we give back to the International Rhino Foundation and Endangered Rhino uh, Conservation. So we started off with IRF. Uh, we found out about them through the Houston Zoo. And then ERC, um, we actually found out about them through just a customer of ours that got us into it. And we actually went this past summer and stayed with Dr. Lynn with Endangered Rhino Conservation. And, um, you know, we helped trim for rhino horns, which is increases their survival rate by 85%. It was amazing. Like <laughs> just having my hands on a rhino, it was just amazing. Um, <laughs> yes, we did some medical um, checkups on the rhino when, you know, because whenever you trim their horn, we do sedate them. And at the same time, you, you know, you'll do medical checks and things like that. Um, we did talk last time about Tracy helping to get a dung sample, (laughs) (laughs) which had to have been so much fun for you. (laughs) (laughs) They had a glove that goes all the way up your arm. They had it. So yes, it did involve um, having to extract the dung, (laughs) but anyway, so um, I am in love with rhinos. And I mean, if you would have asked me as a little girl playing with Barbie dolls, you know, no, but I mean, (laughs) They, they have babies and they love their babies just like we love our babies. So they, they look deserve. cute. They look, oh I mean, you know, they're all so babies cute. are cute. Baby rhinos are cute. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're so cute. We saw a mother rhino that had been shot while oh. she was pregnant uh, in the shoulder. And um, the rangers found her and they, you know, they darted her. They uh, sedated her and, you know, the, brought the vet in. Um and they saved her life and they trimmed her horn. And she, you know, we met her when she had a five month old uh, bouncing baby boy. And he was so cute and so inquisitive and just like our toddlers, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, I'm absolutely in love with rhinos. Um, but, you know, I mean, all animals don't deserve, you know, what they're doing with their horns. If, if people don't know is they, um, they grind them up and they'll, you know, they'll sell them and say that they have magical healing properties for, um, you know, cancer or, uh, you know, just different, you know, male impotence and things like that. So, um, and they, all they do is like, they cut it, cut it with cocaine or they cut it with Viagra or, you know, whatever. And it doesn't have any magical healing powers. It's keratin, which is the same thing as your fingernails. But anyway, so I absolutely love rhinos and then wolves, um, wolves really affect, you know, when you take them out, like they took them out of Yellowstone national park and it changes, changed the vegetation of the park. Um, so, you know, wolves are essential for our ecosystem and they don't, you know, I understand that a lot of ranchers, you know, wanted them gone because they would kill their livestock. But now we um, we've taken a natural predator out of our environment. Mm-hmm. So like in Austin, they have an abundance, uh, an overpopulation of deer. We also have a feral hog issue here in Texas that's destroying our farmlands. 
Um, and not that a wolf can kill a feral hog, a grown feral hog, but a wolf can kill uh, like a baby feral hog, you know? So, um, so yeah, we, you know, I can geek out on animal conservation. If my boys were here, they would even, you know, they're way more well-informed than I am. <laughs> Everything I'm regurgitating is pretty much what I've learned from them or just research and, you know, things like that. We donate, um, for vegan, we donate to St. Francis Wolf Sanctuary. And, um, so the vegan is for Walt, which is kind of, you know, funny, but, uh, people are always like, really? Cause they're meat eaters. I'm like, yeah, but you don't have to be a meat eater to like a wolf. <laughs> but they're carnivores. <laughs> yeah. And you know, vegan, you don't have to be vegan to like vegan. Yeah. Oh you know, no, yeah, absolutely. I believe, I believe every stuff. word of that sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, quick lightning round, which may or may not be quick. One pro and one con of running a family-owned business? Oh, the pro is that you get to know your family in a whole new light. I mean, to the, the boys have grown into these amazing business owners. And, you know, just like I said, that we call George the mouth. And, you know, they have each found a part of themselves. And I've gotten to see that. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, it's been amazing. I, I, I've loved it. Um, you know, communication, you have to have great communication and ability to apologize over and over again. <laughs> uh, the con is that, you know, you need to have family time and not, not about the business. If you could host lunch or dinner or any meal for anybody in world history, who would it be and why? I think probably Oprah. Oprah. Um, yeah, I would. I, I mean, why? Or Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, <laughs> either one of those. I think they're both really intelligent. Uh, Ellen, I know, gives back to elephant conservation. Um, so that would be a great one. So, yeah, both women are e either one of them. Yeah. Well, manifest that. Put it out there in the universe. Oprah, Ellen. Um, yeah. yeah, so very nice. What is the most unlikely food that Diablo Verde makes taste better? <laughs> we have a great kale recipe and I mean, I love Brussels sprouts and most people that I give the Brussels sprout recipe to loves it. But, um, if you don't like Brussels sprouts, try our, you know, try our Diablo on the Brussels sprouts. And, you know, if you don't like kale as, as well, it's very versatile, you know, like it is kind of in the salsa aisle Tex-Mex, you know, but it's not, it's, a, it's more, it's like the salsa that doubles as the ultimate cooking sauce. So it, you don't have to make a Tex-Mex recipe to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you just last night, breakfast for dinner, and I had it with hash browns, eggs, plant-based sausage, onions, fresh jalapenos, bell peppers, oh. and just drizzle it on with some cheddar cheese and bam, 
Yes. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And, and let me tell you, it, it just throws, there's something about it. Just, it adds that extra je ne sais quoi. I know we're dealing with salsa and that's funny, but an extra je ne sais quoi uh, to it. Right. Yeah, I know. Right. It's um, it is so, it is just so, so good. I, I mean, really a special Okay, So this is the easiest thing that we do with it. You open up the fridge, see what's left over. Rice, chicken, vegetables, throw it in a bowl, pour Diablo on top, stick it in the microwave, couch, remote, you've got one bowl to clean up, okay? (laughs) But I mean, you know, to me, I'm not the best at grilling. In fact, I just sold our grill because I'm like, I don't use it, I'm not great. But um, if my chicken turns out dry or whatever, Verde, it's, uh, you know, Diablo, either the vegan or the verde is going on top of it just to save dinner. <laughs> yeah. Well, and chicken breast is hard to pull off anyway. It's really, re- it's like that fine line, you know, yeah, it's, it's like not my fault. It's the chicken breast. It's hard. <laughs> it's really, it, no, I mean, it really is. I, 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 yeah. It's just, it's hard to pull off without making it like chewy, like a, like a tire. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'll tell the boys when they get home. See, Freddie said it's not mommy's fault. <laughs> if you could skywrite a short message for aspiring entrepreneurs to see what would it read and why believe in yourself believe in yourself believe not not just believe in your product but believe in your ability to make things happen and visualize 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 i mean what 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 we put out there you know what we put into our minds is exactly what's going to happen I love that. Threesonsfoods.com. You can find Diablo Verde in stores. So we got HEB, we got Walmart, and then a whole bunch of mom and Albertsons, Fresh Time. We have a ton of independent, like local yokel, Tom's up in Austin. Okay. Uh, that girl, you know, uh, St. Francis actually sells Diablo Verde and Diablo Vegan. Um, Phoenicia. Oh my gosh. I love Phoenicia. Yeah. So we're in a lot of different independent stores as well. I love independent stores. Uh, so if you go to our website, there's a store list and, um, yeah. Very nice. Three is where you can go to get that list where you can find Diablo Verde. You look them up on the socials as well. Instagram, YouTube, and uh, Tracy, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you so much. God bless you and uh, good luck with everything. Hey, it's me. I'm back with a quick little nudge. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did putting it together for you, then please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com and share with your family and friends. Thank you.